Today, all over the world, there are thousands of Sino-Soviet intelligence agents with money to burn, looking for unsuspecting targets for exploitation among members of our forces. Who, um, like Boris Johnson got elected, right? Yeah. And or selected, like the Tories just picked him to be the PM, and because that's apparently what happens in yeah, Johnny London, a, a democracy right there. Um, and you know, you look at him; he's just a big sloppy boy, right? He's just a big, like lumbering, like just looks like a complete idiot. <laughs> and then Quillette, I think, comes out with like a say what you want about his politics but you can't deny he has a bit of the of the germanic ubermensch in him and then literally like with this mop of blonde hair and his and his broad germanic brow and it's like what the they're just saying like they're just coming right out and saying this man's skull the shape of it says he's fit to lead england Never mind the fact that he's like literally shitting his pants as we speak. Yeah, he has like the decrepit old man Alzheimer's syndrome. Like it's it's not looking good for him. What I say, here comes Boris Johnson just being the good old Ubermensch that we all need here in Jolly Old London. Yeah. Also, like, why the? F- um, it's just like his brain, like like his like he's younger than Trump, isn't he? I, I don't dude, I don't know like anything about Boris Johnson, and like I said this recently, anybody, you can keep up with like politics around the world, like it's fine, but like there are people, and we might get to this like a little bit later on, but there are people who aren't from the country that they literally won't shut the fuck up yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that in a minute, but no, continue with Boris Johnson, please. I was just gonna say, like you, you take one look at him, and it's just like this guy's whole diet is just like um it's great it's the greatest diet in the world <laughs> it's, it's like diet coke it's 14 diet coke yeah, that's what I'm, saying. I'm trying to think of what's the british equivalent of 14 big macs of the trump diet of just yeah. the big like eating which did you know that trump like apparently eats big macs without the bread what <laughs> he just like eats the the meat and the, like the the all the other that's honestly that's weirder just, without like if he just ate them without the meat that'd be easier to probably digest. better yeah well, think of it this way: it's if you don't have the bread, which there's three slices in a Big Mac, right? It's so a lot of bread, yeah, um, a lot of lettuce too. But you just have the yeah. meat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You have the meat, the lettuce, and the, the Big Mac the sauce, pickles. That's, that's a salad. The sauce. That's a salad right there. Yeah. <laughs> our homeboy is our president eating salad. So I imagine Boris's equivalent is just he just goes to Nando's and he just gets like three different types of curry chicken. And he just sort of stacks them on top of each other and then wraps them up in, like, I don't know, like a diaper. And then he just takes it home with him and makes it with a spoon. <laughs> it's like one of those, like, comically, like, cartoonish grease bags where it's like a brown bag and it's, like, sagging yeah, it's from like all dripping. the grease in He's it. Like, <laughs> we've got to hurry home, boys. This is not going to keep very long. Was he? See the diaper's about to burst out. Yeah. Was he in the... Was he in the picture of like him like in the jetpack like or jetpack or whatever he had like on, on like something so stupid it's like this is your prime minister that you're talking about like I don't remember but I would believe it cuz like people were saying oh you can make fun of Trump like all day long it's great to make fun of Trump but like you guys are making fun of us for Trump this asshole just yeah. got elected in yeah. Britain This guy was not only considered but picked by like the 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 the, the one of the biggest parties in England to lead them. Like they looked at this guy and said, "This is the guy who's going to beat Jeremy Corbyn for are, us." Are Tories the the Thatcher people? Or yes. Like, okay. They're like super right wing, like conservative. Yeah, yeah. Austerity. Which I mean, both parties pretty much embraced that after Thatcher. Mm-hmm. Or around. I don't want to speak too much about like I know what I'm talking about, but yeah, Tories are very austerity. Like, um, like basically, like their big thing now is to try to gut. Um, funding to the NHS and then turn around and be like, well, we should privatize it because obviously it's not working. Um, hmm. So that's their thing. So that's, yeah. Are they running on a pro like reconquer Ireland fucking platform or something? Because like that's something stupid. I know I, I saw, saw something on Twitter. About yeah, I that. sent it to you. Yeah. Yeah, where the guy's like, we're going to just sort of march in. He said, we're going to like peacefully 
put our military in Ireland and dissolve their government. Because like, that fucking worked like 300 years. Like for 300 years, Ireland just peacefully took yeah, it's English like, occupation. What are you talking about, dude? Like how detached from fucking reality are you? You're it's just not like, like, you know, literally less than 20 years ago, there were constant bombings in Belfast, and which are still happening today. Yeah, I quote tweeted him and I was like... He's like, we, the UK, like in parentheses, and he's yeah. like, we'll, we'll march our military in there peacefully. And I said, you, uh, the UK, is being a dumbass, like, or something. <laughs> right? and I quote, like, like, and then I quoted, like, peacefully or whatever, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Boris, so we're talking about... Boris British, Yeltsin. We're talking about <laughs> Boris. Boris. Another stupid Boris. Another <laughs> idiot Boris. So we were talking about, uh, right, the, the government in England... And I want to actually, like, I know this is a very quick segue from Boris, but I want to yeah. talk about, like, the dumb shit that we've been seeing on, all, you know, leave the, left to pod, leave the Left to Us podcast. We obviously always talk about shit we see on Twitter, because that's the only thing that happens in our yeah. purview. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We're not, like, we're not watching cable TV. Suicide or yeah. Yeah. autoerotic asphyxiation, you know, Twitter. Is I think you're telling on yourself there. Oh, <laughs> so, I that was all of us. That's the in. first thing you go up with. Yeah, we're not, like, you know, fantasizing <laughs> about, like, a very large woman covering us with her breasts. But... <laughs> Have you tried it? Huh? Yeah, man, of course. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? So, Cole, I actually want to hear uh, your thoughts on the whole uh, Amy, Therese thing. Oh, that shit? Fill yeah. me in, because I don't know anything about this. Okay, so imagine this, right? Just imagine this crazy world that we live in. Yeah. Uh, Australian woman, right, who does nothing but tweet word salad literally all day, every day. Yeah. And just bitches the entire time about neoliberal politics which is fine in and of itself but in america and i feel like if you care so that much about american politics as an australian like i feel like that should be punishable by them sending you to like the easter islands or wherever the fuck (laughs) like wherever the remotest place on earth is or maybe like a border detention center well yeah because australian politics are crazy enough on their own like they've had like i want to say like six pms in the last five years like they keep i don't know if that's good or bad it's bad because they just keep turning over prime ministers like they keep forming little factions and like backstabbing each other nice um and just keep they just keep challenging each other's leadership and they just keep voting each other out and voting some other like, see i don't know anything this, about australian politics because exact, guess what this is exactly it doesn't, why yeah, yeah. the democrats need to compromise with the republicans so we don't have what is happening in australia, australia happen here. Yeah. yeah so that's the thing we're all american boys we're all sitting here in america just chilling Fuck talking yeah, about are. just talking about our fucked up system and we have like have all the way across the world we have a a, a a person who's like literally going insane and here's the deal right i said this people were like oh they're trying to like cancel her and run her off because like that's what they do and stuff and i'm like listen here's the deal if you bitch at people all day long right you're crazy ranting word salads and people say like hey you need to shut the fuck up like <laughs> you might just need to like not get off Twitter, but like log off enough to like go outside and like yeah. walk for five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like I saw all that stuff that was happening and just like posted my favorite tweet of all time, which is Tyler, the creator saying like, bro, how, how is cyber you- bullying even real? Like, ha 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 like log close off, eyes, like close away. your eyes, like ha ha ha, like turn off the computer. Like what? Yeah. So, um, I saw that, um, like, the, 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 big, the big development now, or at least recently, is that she was, like, beefing with Lee Carter. Oh, God, yeah. And um, I don't know. I find it pretty funny when there's, like, this sort of solely online leftist Twitter contingent that yeah. are telling, like, a representative, like, do your job, man, or, like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> like you're a crybaby. All the people that we follow are saying that. Yeah. Which I'm like... <laughs> I, I think it's like like he's like a fucking member of the government. Like, you know, he's at least getting his like shit out there in like the public, like actually campaigning and like 
you know, doing something with it. Like, I'm not going to say, you know, this is like being a, a representative in the Virginia state government is like the most powerful position, but it's more than just being on Twitter. Why we here in Virginia need to start taking over the United States government. That's Lee Carter, everyone. I don't, That's I don't exactly know. how he sounds. Yeah. He sounds like a Why, like, Amy Therese, you need to log off <laughs> until your brain's fried. Yeah, I may... I may be just a simple country farmer <laughs> from the plains of I may Charleston. Be, I may be Lee Carter from Virginia, <laughs> but I'm not Lee Carter from Washington, and you can bet on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it's dumb to be like... Uh, hello, hello, hey, mate. <laughs> yeah. We're going to complain about neoliberal politics in America here. Yeah, all, her all day, sh- every day. Uh, all her tweets are just... She gives some good, like... Yeah, but they're all buried behind... It's like you need to be... You need to have, like, your brain hooked up to a thesaurus to sort of figure out what she's saying. It's she's like... Saying things like wallaby and kangaroo. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. That would be endearing if she, like, sprinkled did some Australianisms. But it's all just, like, like, like Matt said, like word salad, where... It's just, or it's throwing like literally every single word that you can think of on a fucking dartboard, uh, and like throwing as many darts as you can, just hitting everything. To do that. Well, I was gonna say this is that you know in um, grad school, what, what I what you would run into, right, is that um, like Ivy League, uh, you know, people who you know work in research and write based out of Ivy League schools, yeah, will do that, and so they'll bougie. they'll, they'll yeah. intentionally off 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 obfuscate their points where they'll instead of state something maybe more simply that can be more accessible they'll intentionally throw a bunch of jargon into it which that's correct right it's the right jargon but anyone who's not in that field will look at that and have zero idea what they're talking about and they do it on purpose basically it's like a form of virtue signaling mm-hmm. or like um you know status signaling no bless oblige like it's kind of like they're 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 Talking down to the the poor common folk, and, and they're they're, yeah. they're the grad they're the grad students from Australia who are going to save the proletariat in America. Well, it's just the signal to other sort of Ivy League people that you know we we were educated in Ivy League schools. We come out of there, and so it's just it's to be like it's to you know to to say our you know to signal their status. Right? Yeah, because they're not even considering the proletariat when they're writing their stuff like that's not their audience yeah and there's there's like circles in academia that like in in the history uh discipline who were like well we don't our stuff doesn't have to cater to anyone other than other academics Mm -hmm. yeah we're not writing for the average person ever well, what's funny about this is remember a few episodes back when we were talking about how there's this big like it's probably about like a month or two ago, how there's this big movement of like leftists saying that you have to read to be a leftist type yeah. stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, like we, we had like an episode mm-hmm. on it. And, and the thing about it is like she was one of the people that were like canceling the guy who said that, yeah. right? Like, like oh, like, yeah, because the history of like workers, like they, they read all this like stuff. And it's like, like I there was a, the tweet that they were like canceling her for I was I had to reread it three times to like, to like fully understand out, it because um, what she said and like I'm not saying like I'm not going oh I'm a good reader or whatever but like I read every day and I'm an English major and I was like I don't know what this yeah. is saying like yeah. even the third time I was like I think I get it and I'm just gonna go with it <laughs> yeah it's um yeah I definitely well I I'm not I'm never gonna be like they said this on Twitter, so they're done. They're over with, son. <laughs> Time out. You know, I'm not ever going to be like Go to the that. gym, dude. Well, especially... Lift fucking weights. Like, someone like Lee Carter, it's like, this I Like, you know, it's good to have leftists in representing us in state government. Beefing with Chapo. Yeah, and like, I don't think any amount of him being like... Uh, sort of maybe a little whiny on Twitter is going to make me cancel him. Like the shit with Chapo was kind of like yeah. I, I was on Chapo's side in that in that kind of yeah. Um, this is super yeah. Twitter brain. Like we just, yeah, I've I've stated this before. I've gotten off Twitter. This is literally I read the shit in between reps. Like that's what yeah, I do. I've, yeah, yeah. yeah I even, <laughs> see, the thing is, I don't like I've I turn my brain off, so I look at tweets. I don't read them, and I just flip. And like my eyes don't even move. I'm just staring at the screen, yeah. flipping by. I'm like, all right, I did Twitter today. Yeah, I, I, I did a Twitter. It's not I did a tweet. It's not important. 
really. It's n- really not. None of what we're talking about is really important because it's not going to amount to anything. Like Lee Carter is not going to oh, be. No. It's not going to be recalled because he he got into a beef with like a Guys, podcast. Hear me out, please, Mr. Carter. Please just please step explain. into my office now. Now I hear you've been feuding with a girl from Australia again. Now here in the state government of Virginia. Yeah, fucking north of the governor. Like he's like. Now tell me, what is it you have with this Chapo trap house? <laughs> and he's like, we see you're feuding with a Mister. Chapo Trap House, which includes a Mr. Will Minica and Felix Biden? loves Spider Man. Loves loves PS4. <laughs> um, and he's like, Governor Northam, do you really think you should be wearing blackface while you're at? <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, Why it's our finest artistic establishment. <laughs> I'll have you know that it's enshrined in these here documents that I can wear blackface whenever I want. He's like, well, you wrote those <laughs> in crayon. You added those onto them, and fortunately, they're bindings in yeah, colored you, pencil. <laughs> you cut out pencil. you cut out Maxim magazine articles and like pasted them yeah, like, a, like the a Zodiac serial, killer. Like a <laughs> I'll uh, have you know those are still legally binding. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Speaking yeah. of uh, people getting canceled, should we start talking about Tarantino? Tarantino? Yeah. Let's Josh, go for I it. want you to pull up if you can that 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 Guardian that Tarantino should get canceled. Oh, yeah, let me. Uh, the single Guardian that Tarantino. <laughs> I am the Guardian that Tarantino should get canceled. At the very least, we could find the guy's tweet where he got ratioed really hard. God, well, see, I. Uh, I actually had like some clap back, which I didn't expect from like one of my followers, and I was like, well, "Oh, this is National Review, fuck no, National Review." It was the Guardian, yeah, yeah, National the Guardian Review's article, a, like Breitbart. Yeah, end of the affair. Why it's time to uh, cancel Quentin Tarantino by Roy Chaco Chapo, <laughs> Roy Chaco. Um, we'll just quickly skim this. So, whatever the merits of his new film, Tarantino's films have reveled in extreme violence against female characters. This, this has, has to, to stop. stop. Wait, what, like the movies have to stop? Yeah. Uh, his violence. So when news broke early last year that Quentin Tarantino had cajoled Uma Thurman yeah. driving an unsafe car during the film, we, okay, we know about that story. Yeah. The director called it the biggest regret of his life. She actually, she, like... Like, you should, yeah. She came out recently and said, like, it's fine. Like, it was kind of like a, kind of a passive, like, it's cool. Yeah. Let's do Kill Bill Volume 3. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it came out that he spat on Uma Thurman and choked her. As well as strangling Diane Kruger in the scene in Inglourious Bastards, the question now is: Is it time to cancel Quentin Tarantino? Bro, we're long past due on this one. No, um, okay. So I'm reading ahead, and he and his example of violence against women in Pulp Fiction is Uma Thurman getting the needle stabbed into her chest. The, the like adrenaline the, needle when she has a like her heart. Like stops. the thing to save her fucking life. Well, what's real? Okay, so I've actually like read a little bit of this article before, yeah. right? And so he gets upset because the only female characters in the credits are shot woman and shocked woman, because the entire film, spoiler alert, is of violence against men. And yeah. he actually says, like, even though there's violence against men in his films, there's still violence against women, and that's bad. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Why are you saying this? Because, like, and then he talks about Kill Bill, where she, yeah. where uh, a female kills, like, 88 uh, dudes. And, and it says most of it's directed at Thurman. It's like, I would say, I would say most of it. I'd say she's directing she's the entire movie's a revenge the, narrative she's the originator of the of lots of the violence yeah it's a revenge narrative so yeah obviously this is a, a terrible article but i feel like this these last two paragraphs that that could be its own article and it doesn't even discuss yeah. the first part where he's talking about when uh it came out polanski raped that 13 year old girl um it said that tarantino said um, it shouldn't have been classified as rape because she was she was marriage. she was down with it, and that Polanski had sex yeah. with See, a that, minor. That could be a scandal. That's, yeah, that's yeah, a I would take. So, but so Tarantino it is from 2003. Yeah, so yeah, it's it was two, it's from 2003, and Tarantino. What he's saying, like in that quotation that they kind of like, you know, like all mm-hmm. quotes they kind of fucked around with, is that he's saying that the the sex that Polanski had with her which is I'm not defending his position yeah. at all I want to state that like I will not yeah, defend just, yeah. he said that he had sex with a 13 year old girl in 1977 it was consensual and it was sex with he he viewed it as sex with a minor and he said that it's not like that's not well, right so, which 
It is. Yes. It is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't think this is one quote we need to be defending. Oh, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying, like, they kind of took it out of context there and was like, "Here's where the you right. know." It is from 2003, so I would imagine yeah, his, his position is probably out. his position is probably evolved since then. I don't know how to bring that up, but we yeah. hope. We hope. I I would say well, he's also like autistic. Yeah. So like, why he's are we a creepy dude? Like, <laughs> well, like Tarantino, like. Have you seen interviews with him? He's like, yeah, I just love Astro Boy, and uh, you know, he's like that kind of like hyper focused, mm-hmm. like hyperactive, yeah, like type of autist that like makes like movies. And, feet, and mm-hmm. here's the thing: is that as much as that quote may be reprehensible, right? <laughs> it is reprehensible. Yeah, it's it's yeah, uh, that's it's, terrible. Yeah, but I, I haven't seen anything in his movies to suggest that that. He's like, like condoning it. Has there been a, a, a part in his movie where a girl or like an underage girl gets like raped and everyone stands around going, "No, it's totally cool. It's totally fine." Or does there is there like like I said like anytime rape comes up, it's framed as bad or mm-hmm. as being traumatic or not something, you know? Yeah. So at, at no point, it, like I said, like that 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 would be different if it showed up in his movies, but so, it, it doesn't. What does show up in his movies that people wanted to cancel him over is they said that he's racist towards African Americans, right? And I actually yeah. got into like a little bit of a spat with this, with me defending this. Um, like he wrote a part for himself in Pulp Fiction where he got to say the N word, where he said yeah. the N word, right? Which isn't great. Couple things. One, it was 1994. I'm not saying that that excuses yeah, it. I'm just saying context. it's it's just a different time, right? And two, like he just because he has if even if he does have problematic stuff in his films, which I don't think he has a lot of it, but even if he does have problematic stuff in his films, the merit of the film itself and his contribution to the film industry as a whole should not warrant the cancellation of him as a it could can you can cancel him as a person, whatever, but it does not warrant the cancellation from him to to try and silence him out of the film industry. Because he because here's the thing is that he hasn't, as far as I can tell, he hasn't been proven to have like done anything. Like yeah, there are no, rumors, just people jumping at these bits. There are things that he's said. And yeah, like when are we going to cancel Kubrick? Like, I mean, Kubrick, like he fucking almost terrorized he, poor um, Shelley, Shelley Duvall. Yeah, yeah. terrorized him. Yeah. And, and well, he's dead. Well, that's so the thing. Like, know. you know, um, you have these people who are like, and I understand like certain problems people have with Tarantino, right? Like, even as a person, I understand yeah. why people have problems with them. But at the same time, like we are, I, I said this, we are no longer allowed to one separate the art from the artist, and two, anything that is culturally insensitive automatically has to be condemned like a witch hunt almost. And that's and that's um, so. Like my question here is like, so what what is, what does he mean by what does he hope to accomplish by saying we need to cancel him? It's exact. He he is a male writing about. Uh, violence against females in a Quint- in Quentin Tarantino movies, and by cancel, I think honestly he wants to do what all these like liberals want to do, which is cancel literally everybody until they're only in their own echo chamber, where like CNN and Rachel Maddow is the only thing they hear when they go to bed at night. Because, like, yeah, like I said this multiple times, right? I don't necessarily agree that everybody should have a platform, right? But at the same time, yeah. when you're canceling literally everybody you disagree with or everybody who's in the little least bit problematic, your leftist vision will never come to fruition. It Gosh, will always be yeah. a right-wing government. So yeah. here's his profile picture. Uh, viewers at home, or listeners at home, uh, can't actually see it. Viewers at home, turn your television. Josh, find some of the replies to that. To that oh, yeah, thread. let's see. See some of Not those. getting a lot of traction on it. Hmm, he's reposted like, uh, that's... Yeah, right there. Click on that and just see some of the reviews, some of the top replies. I was told, like, we're canceling good movies. Like I said, um, we can no longer separate the art from the artist. And we're also going to cancel everybody, even if like their films are good, right? Like yeah. the last, they're they're one of the last few auteurs who are making good films. Yeah, so they they bring up uh, the point you guys made about Mia Wallace was dying, and it was to resuscitate her. Yeah, um, she had an accidental drug overdose. Like they're all um, frantically trying to save her life. It's like the complete opposite of 
like violence against her. They're all yeah. being like, we have to. If she dies, like, 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 um, John Travolta's whole thing is if she dies, he, you know, he's fucked. Oh so wow, this to, is a great graphic. Holy but, crap! So it shows killings by gender. Someone documented did the math. Did the yeah. math. Turns out he's killed twenty five women to one hundred and ninety three plus males. Yeah. Yeah, that this that makes a, sense. Just a, he's just making up this narrative out of nothing. And and well, also yeah. like one of the things that that was the, one of the responses was like he says the n word. I don't like it. Like that was like most of it was either like the the violence against women or he says the n word. Those were the two yeah. critiques of Tarantino. And I'm like, I'm I'm down to discuss Tarantino, but like. And how he's bad, but like you're not giving me enough here to say we should just write off him as a director. Yeah. Also, it's like, um, I, I could see if the guy's point was that yes, the violence is you know asymmetrical and that it's mostly against men, but that when it does happen against women, you know he revels in it, right? Or he's like, I'm not saying I, I, I believe this. I'm saying, like, I could see his point if maybe that was his point. Right. Instead of just being like, you know, these women get hurt and I don't like it, right? And I would even say, I could even argue against the made-up point I just made where it's like, well, he revels against violence against dudes, too. Like All Reservoir, the time, yeah. Reservoir Dogs has, like, Tim Roth is literally bleeding to death. Like, a guy gets his ear cut off, like like a cop, like an undercover cop gets tortured, or or it's a it's, or it's the cop gets yeah tortured there, yeah. like in Django right there's like there is violence against women in that film right there uh, but like there's th- that entire yeah. scene where he just kills every single dude in that house and it's just like blood literally everywhere right like the, and, the and, two the two or three yeah. women that get hurt in that film whoa we he, need to cancel it well they get off easy because he's like say buy Miss Candy and she does and, and he, he shoots, shoots her and, and, she, and then she just flies out of frame so like. You know, you could say well, it's well violence for against like Kerry Washington too, yeah. but like at the same time, like but that's that violence is it's, rep- it's portrayed as reprehensible. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's not none of none of it is is it's, it's more emotionally impactful because it is happening to her. And right? we root for her. We like her. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys already brought up Kill Bill? Like that whole franchise. Yeah, it's it's well. The thing about Kill Bill is like the in the article he says like they merciless, mercilessly beat. Uma Thurman's character, the bride, to almost to death, like they put her in a coma, right? Sure. But the yeah. whole film is her getting revenge, revenge because for that. because yeah. six or however many people, uh, I think it was like seven other people, took yeah. away her agency. And, and they, and she, yeah, yeah, and and the point is they did that to her, and she feels deeply wronged by that, and he frames it that way that that yeah. was a very, very explicit wrong, and you and like. Like the first, like Kill Bill One, right? Where you know you sort of figure out that the guy has a racket and he's letting men rape mm-hmm. her. Yeah, and you could say, well, you know, I think it's sort of gross that we, with women, we sort of to to, sh- to show trauma, we just sort of shortcut to to sexual assault, and that's sort of the only way to do it. I could see that being a criticism, and I would say that yeah, I, you know, I. Feel that way with some movies too, where I I don't want to see a woman get get raped or sexually assaulted. I see it enough, and I you know it's it's one of the few things in movies that I find hard to deal with. But even then, we don't. It's just all implied, right? Like you don't actually see yeah. anyone do that to her. It's just it's implied, and the guy you know the is guy about who, to do it. Yeah, she he, she bites his ear off, and then like the catharsis comes from like even though like she does have like that happened to her the catharsis comes from her biting the rapist's ear off and yeah. crushing his door his head into a yeah. door multiple times and then she goes yeah. and she kills the the guy who who uh she stabs him in the butt with the the thing and like goes and does the exact same thing to him and like yeah. br- ri- she crushes his like it literally cuts off his head in the door yeah and so that's like a cathartic moment right yeah. that's expressing this terrible thing that's happened to her because of the thing that they did Right, which I mean, like I don't know, like the only other way that that's that scene would work is if it's like, oh, well, like they're punching her in the face, but I don't know who would which, pay to punch her in the face. You, that's happened. Yeah, <laughs> where people have like just paid money to like manhandle an unconscious person. But I will give them credit in that, um, you know, other rape revenge movies I've seen, right? Which is that's a part of that's a genre in horror is you know rape revenge like. Um, Last House on the Left, or I Spit on Your Grave. Um, those movies 
are will take the rape and then try to make it sort of sexy, which is uh, fucked up. Uh, <laughs> They're from the seventies, right? So like, I think Last House on the Left, um, like it's a gang rape, and then but then there's a moment where like the woman in the girl gang, gets BBC. <laughs> Well, it's it's like um, it's like a gang of like a couple men and, and a woman, and then the woman rapes her. But it's supposed to be erotic. Then, well, so if like, two women are doing it, it's not rape. Yeah, and then yeah. So I'll say this and that. Even in even when he's using it there in Kill Bill, it's not supposed to be sexy no, or, no. Or, or arousing it's in any to way. Gross you out? No, yeah. and the guy's gross, and like there's a lot yeah. of like shit about that movie that is like you know. Um, it, it, it implies everything about the framing and that one scene. The entire movie is saying that the violence that is done against Uma Thurman's character is wrong. Yeah. And the and if we can't explore violence against people is wrong in films, regardless of their gender or race or whatever, yeah. then we can't have films anymore. Like we have to just have people talking about things that like their day. How's your day? Good. You know, yeah. um, I think one maybe before we move on to Once Upon a Time, I think one more example of this we could talk about is um, the Hateful Eight because I know he brought Wait, up uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Leigh's yeah. character there, and I think I, I I do have an opinion on that, but okay, I was going to say to if go go okay. for it. So um, again, there. So one of his points was that you know the violence is like, you know directed against women, or I've seen other people talk about it this way, mm-hmm. and that the violence. Against it's supposed to be you're supposed to find it's supposed to be funny you're supposed to like laugh at it or enjoy it right that's their their critique is that you know this violence against women is like you know it's supposed to be entertaining to you and I would say it's like you're half right in that the violence like against Jennifer Jason Leigh's character right she's shackled to um, Kurt Russell Kurt Russell the entire movie and a couple times he whacks her in the mouth right mm-hmm. and you know he like breaks her nose. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sudden and violent, and um, but it's a little humorous in the moment, right? And that she's talking shit and then gets smacked, but she's like, you know, just laughing at yeah. it, right? And um, I'm not, I, I'm not sure Tarantino is saying, look how funny it is that Kurt Russell smashed her nose. I yeah. think it's funny. I think he's saying, look how like awful this woman is. And look how casual, like like I don't think you're supposed to. There, I, think, I think the casualness of the violence is supposed to show. She's literally like the only reason she's alive right now is because Kurt Russell's mm-hmm. character. His whole thing is I don't kill them. I take them to be home. Yeah, he likes to watch them. Hang. But if that principle wasn't in the way, he would have killed her by now mm-hmm. because she's awful and annoying and he gets on his nerves. The, well, the thing about Tarantino is like in most of his films, almost all the characters like in all of his films are like morally reprehensible people. Yeah. Like in, in The Hateful Eight, like even the good guys in the situation are all, they're all morally reprehensible yeah. people because it's like a Western, right? Like yeah. it's, it's not like John Wayne, good guys, I'm going to kill some engines and save the girl. It's like, no, like Kurt Russell is like, you know, he, he, he's, he's good in that. He's like, Oh, I'm a friend to, you know, um, Samuel Jackson's character. But at the same time, he's like, Oh, shut up, bitch. And he like hits her. Right. He's, yeah. he's like a, an abuser. Yeah. Right. And so he's morally reprehensible. Like they all have like their moral failings. Yeah, and if, also, we're, if we're not yeah. allowed to show that in, you know, in film, like there is no conflict. There is no like interest, like films would not be interesting. Yeah. And like, um, I was just gonna say about Kurt Russell's character is that um, I liked that bit with the the, the Lincoln letter, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know he, I mean, he's friends with Sam L, but it's sort of when he finds out that he has that letter that he really likes Sam L, right? Yeah. And then as soon as he finds out it's fake and that Sam L just use it as a, to disarm white people, then he's like, "You rotten lying! You're just like the rest of them." And he yeah, realized, oh, he's really got. He's got the sh- same shitty opinions as everyone else. Yeah. No, I was gonna uh, something Matt mentioned about engines uh, was uh, in Once Upon a Time. Tarantino chooses to show some of the grosser sides of Hollywood. Rick Dalton starring in Red Skin, Red Blood. Yeah. Based on the novel, the only good Indian is a dead one. It's yeah. like, oh, those movies were real. <laughs> I, Josh, there is a great. I saw Red River, which yeah. is like it's. There's it a scene. Like that. Well, there's a scene in there where they're I'll like, I, I, oh, there's like you know engines or whatever. I saw it from my film class, and like they the the Indian like the whole point 
the whole crux of the movie is that uh, John Wayne's character is pissed off because his wife was <laughs> killed and like pillaged by Indians who were attacking their caravans. Yeah, um, there's a documentary called uh, Real Engine, R E E L Engine, and it's uh, basically a history of the portrayal of Native Americans in film. Buffalo and, Bill. Yeah, and the you know a, a big chunk of it is on westerns and early westerns and how they treated Native Americans mm-hmm. and um, like s- some of the shit that you saw right is that they they only cared about having like actual natives in the movie but they didn't care about what they said or did they just like so they would tell them okay um, you know our character is going to come up to you just speak your language at them and we'll dub in whatever you say later so they had like actual Navajo, you know, people from the Navajo tribe in there, and they would speak Navajo to the character, to this white cowboy guy who would then be like, what do you mean they're down by the watering hole? And then they would just speak Navajo at him. And then later on, right, because they didn't bother translating yeah. what they said, they didn't care. And then later on, those same people who starred in the movie told you, yeah, we were just talking shit about the guy the entire time. Like the guy came up and said something, and they and Navajo were like, look at this guy. He's like a snake who slithers in his own shit. Like, so, they were just talking mad shit about him, yeah. but they didn't, they didn't care because they were just like, we just want you there to have mm-hmm. you know authenticity. Yes. Yeah, right? So I don't want to get too in the weeds here with the, the engine thing, but yeah. the thing is like, I, I wrote a, a paper last semester, like a 12-page research paper about – uh, Indians in, in Hollywood and you know the different tropes and how it's harmful and all this stuff and yeah. uh, uh, submitting it to a conference Woo-hoo. Um, good dude that's I, I, I yeah I would recommend conferences if you have shit to, to send out and, and present on they're very fun yeah, yeah and uh, I one of the th- interesting things about that was it's it's complicated like a lot of the, the yeah. history of it because um, at the Buffalo Bill show they interviewed Native Americans and they said, well, the problem is like every night, like we come and we do our, like, we're going to, you know, kill the white man or whatever. And white audiences see this and then they kind of internalize it and say, okay, Indians are bad. Like they're savages. So we have a right to treat them as such. But at the same time, the actors who were in the Buffalo Bill show were like, we were fairly compensated and like they were giving us work where we could never get work. And so what's interesting is like, and and I've read like a bunch of different research papers about this, like about that subject. And it's like a, a lot of native Americans throughout history. They said, well, like it's terrible. Like we're misrepresented, but we need to eat. Right, and it's yeah. like this this weird like dichotomy going yeah, on. Yeah, it's like their your opportunities are so limited there, in that yeah, it it, it can be this sort of double. Like and you know this, what would have yeah. helped them not have to be racist towards themselves? Um, abolishing capitalism. I mean, <laughs> well, no, yeah, exactly. Instituting That's, socialism, yeah. and they wouldn't have to. Um, you know, yeah. When it's like you know, when your oppor- your opportunities are so limited in that, like you know, they can make the, good. Yeah, good only thing that films, can like, turn a profit for yourself is to is to exploit yeah. yourself. Yeah, exploit yeah. yourself. Like will like you exploit know, yourself. Like exploiting women's feet. Just like and once upon a time in Hollywood. Okay, that's a great segue. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's we're gonna it's talk a good about movie. that. Yeah. It's so good. It's the thing is like. Are we gonna do spoilers or uh, we can maybe let's do make it spoilers? So spoilers. Spoilers for there's spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers for once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. But there's we can, feet. We spoilers. Can maybe, yeah. Talk a little more generally about it. And then get into spoilers. Like spoilers, uh, so really you'll good. have like you know, maybe like a five minute buffer here of non spoilers. Cool, I wouldn't get go into. that far. Okay, it's t- gonna be dropping T minus two minutes. Right. Yeah. So, um, one, it's great. People who are were canceling Tarantino look like fools. <laughs> and three, like if you don't like this film, I don't know. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like it's. I think it's one of like you may have a mental deficiency. No, I think no, no, I, no. I, there, no, there. listen, they're not the R word. They're not. Boop, they're just <laughs> you know. Um, well, I think like it's one of his best films. I really do. I, okay. I think it's like like it's so. It's so good, like, just watching the characters, like, interact. And those characters, like, Quentin Tarantino is, like, great. And even if he's not doing his Tarantino-isms, like, dialogue and, like, the situations he puts them in, they're very entertaining. And so, like, most of the movie is them driving around 
talking, not really doing anything. And it's the, one of the most entertaining Quentin Tarantino movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I was going to say that it's like, it's a movie that's about, you know, it's more about just the people than anything else. It's yeah. really about having this sort of overarching plot. It's more just about characters and their interactions with each other. Well, I, I think it's, uh, you know, I think like when I walked out, I said, oh, I understand why I called it Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because yeah. it's just, a, it's like this fairy tale version of what yeah. Hollywood was like in the 60s, like yeah. the late 60s. And I think like, the like the whole plot is like you 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 follow these characters right and like you you they have interactions and stuff like that but it's like this hyper stylized like oh this is you know it's kind of like the the plot is just hollywood like it's just yeah. like yeah. seeing them make movies and seeing them interact with old friends and seeing them you know with like the the manson family and stuff it's like their interactions with all that is just what ho- like it's just like mm-hmm. the story of hollywood like it's, it's just this um you it's know fairy tale yeah it's it's like a snapshot of that period and um you know i think uh, there's this one line in particular that probably wasn't it's not it, it stood out to me mm-hmm. Is um, you know Leo DiCaprio's character, Claire, or, or uh, Rick, Rick. Um, says, you know, you keep a, you know, this guy, you know, Eddie, something told me, you, you keep a residence in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're a citizen of L.A. You're not just passing through. And I think, I think Quentin Tarantino really agrees with that statement because because Rick says it a couple times. I think for him, he has this sort of love and affection for that period because it really was people, you know, who were citizens of the area and who were not just like, cause LA now is just the place you go if you yeah. want to get famous. Um, and I feel like Quentin identifies more with that old guard of Hollywood. Yeah. The, you know, the people, you know, who, you know, lived in LA and loved LA for what it was and who didn't just sort of cynically seek it out to get famous i have a great reading of the film that i want to get to at the end because it's a little spoilery but i want to drop this so i remember um quentin tarantino identifies with that old guard but he also criticizes the old guard within the film itself and i want to i want to i'll get to it later my point is i was interested to see like a little bit of clash consciousness sprinkled in there because you have the dichotomy of the actor who's living this lavish wrist yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, and then, and, then, um, and he makes a big point of showing their different lives. Yeah. You know, uh, Brad Pitt wears moccasins and jeans. Um, yeah. And then Rick Dalton's always wearing the finest leathers. And, uh, and you find out that the only reason why Brad Pitt's character is still around is because, like, he doesn't have work. Yeah. He drives this crappy car and lives in this crappy house. But he enjoys his life. Yeah. He, yeah. he is having fun. So there's that dichotomy of like the, the wealthy and, and the poor working together or whatever. But also, and this is might come off as a really hot take. I found myself identifying a lot with the Manson family people in the idea that they're talking about they're in the right direction. Sure. Like, yeah. I'm not saying we need to go out and murder people or that we need to join a cult. I'm saying yeah. the the part where uh, one of the f- pussycat is like "fuck you, you fascist pigs," right? And and Brad, and Brad Pitt really gets like aroused by seeing <laughs> her do that. And then also like they're insane and they're crazy, but they're talking about like these wealthy people living on the exploitation of Vietnam, and it's like yeah. I kind of agree with some of what you're saying here. Well, I'll say this, Josh, is that that was that's not exclusive to the Mansons, right? No, absolutely. It's yeah. it was part, you know, it was part it's of like the a, it's the whole hippie, yeah, movement. the hippie like new left movement. Um, the one that fizzled out when they were like, "We'll give you medium paying jobs," and they're like, "Shit, we'll take yeah, it." Yeah, like you know, that's like you know those Gen Xers sort of yeah, the, the, like basically the Gen X mm-hmm. who grew up in that who yeah. Um, I was gonna say that you know Manson's whole. You know, all that sounds good, but Manson's whole overarching narrative was that there's going to be a race war. Right? Oh yeah, he thought blacks were out to get him. Well, yeah, helter skelter mm-hmm. in that the you know his criticisms of like the U.S. were 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 going to get into this race war if they keep this up, right? And he wanted the whites to, to win it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so he wasn't like a SJW, you know. He wasn't like no rooting and for- like murdering Sharon Tate in them was meant to catalyze the race war and get white people like 
get them like in into the mindset man so they don't get you know butchered right that was yeah so it yeah was, no yeah. i'm not saying i identify with manson's messages i'm saying the characters in the yeah movie, yeah saying funny they, pigs yeah. they say that that message which you you're probably right it was just a message of the time that a lot of young people were saying i do yeah. another quick take i do find it interesting that i kind of see a parallel between how these middle class Manson family people are both in the movie and like the real people in real life and this weird middle class alt-right today how there's like their lives are pretty good overall you know they're not in poor families well, they're like, like runaways. They're drawn. But like the, the like the Manson like the people with them. They're like they're like, they're like middle class upper middle class. No, they're people. they're like oh. runaways. Yeah, they're run, runaways. They're like, they came from wealthy families. They weren't like well, yeah. Okay, so you're saying they're coming. They left the confines of their. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Sick they're of comfortable. Society. They were sick of the yeah. world around them, and so they left. I'm not saying they're living in lavishness they're obviously living in filth and squalor well, yeah, these people trips, who are yeah. transplants from well-to-do families also kind of mirrors today where you have a lot of like these upper middle class white dudes coming out with this vengeful message of like the world going to hell we need to well i think the biggest up. difference though is like you have to you have to take into consideration like the super like almost right-wing political turmoil that they were fighting like almost fighting against like like uh, sociologically where yeah. it was like it was after World War II like no one knew what the fuck to do like everyone's just like we need to promote love because like that shit happened and we Vietnam. never want that to and then yeah. Vietnam happens and you're like they're like oh man this is a war we didn't no one wanted and, and, yeah. and we just are in and we're just killing people randomly and so those people their entire like message was fuck the establishment mm-hmm. man like you know and like, that was, yeah, yeah. because that was how that was the only way that they knew because they had you know parents who grew up during World War II who only knew like the like the nuclear family American life the the you know nine to five grind who we believe in Jesus and stuff and then yeah the fifties yeah. and they yeah and then they rebelled against that just on the surface level so I don't think it's like I don't think the two are necessarily similar but yeah but yeah, so I agree with that I think we should I think we should get into spoilers um, okay. now yeah, spoilers so I wanted to say my reading on the film so Quentin Tarantino right he's an older director he's this is his ninth film. Um, and he's, his next one going to be his last, he says. Oh, so he's he did a caveat. He's directing the new Star Trek film. That his, doesn't count. And he said it that that's count. yeah. Okay. He said he it, ten original films. Okay. Um. So so after that, his next one's going to be he the last. Exclusively one. Exclusively doing franchises. Right. I, he's let that out. He's let that out for himself. So he could he could do like yeah he could. Do he was in an interview and he said the only franchise that he'd ever want to do is Luke Cage. Oh damn! Okay. Real? okay, which would be definitely cool because he he said he grew up on Luke Cage and Iron Fist, so wow. that's cool. Well, so anyway, like do better job fucking Netflix, he dude. he yeah <laughs> he comes from that that not the old guard mindset, but his film his love of films is that old guard mindset. Yeah, yeah. where he it, loves the era, right? And it, it his love of films comes from him watching them as a kid and growing up, and it's kind of like um Martin Scorsese, right? Like when he's making the movies, like Howard Hawks and like those old like you know movies were an influence on him. So his movies are going to like not mirror them, but like be you know like uh, a, a an approximation mm-hmm. of those movies that were influential to him. Yeah, so. And once upon a time in Hollywood, what's interesting is that the old guard that he's kind of being like referential to, like this fairy tale version of of uh, Hollywood, where like you know everyone's just driving around town and they're all like smoking and chilling, and like the Manson family is like kind of an oddity in the film itself. Yeah. And then he, you know, he obviously fucking hates the Manson family because he oh, had yeah. had everyone beat to death and burned yeah. and get, well, got their balls ripped off and stuff. And that's like a very Tarantino thing is that it's like with Inglorious Bastards it's like the not I you know he hates the Nazis right? yeah so the Nazis are gonna get their fucking sm- faces smashed yeah, scowl you know with a bad Django he hates the Confederacy mm-hmm. so yeah get, yeah and here it's the yeah it's the Banson family so so, so he he d- definitely like his villains you know have a lot of violence performed to them They're but the thing personal like personal violence like yeah. Tarantino's enacting that yeah and and the thing about uh the thing about him though is that he's almost like showing the like dirty underbelly of even the fairy tale version of his Hollywood because he's like okay well like 
obviously Tarantino probably loves Bruce Lee films, right? But he's like, Bruce Lee was fake, right? And then they go, okay, this stuntman. Yeah. They go, this stuntman, uh, Brad Pitt's character, they're like, he might have murdered his wife, right? And it's like, Leo DiCaprio, super fucking rich, has nothing to complain about, complains literally the entire movie. Yeah. Right? And so there's like, he's referential to that era, yeah. but at the same time, he's he's like, it's almost like mirroring his growth as a director in a way because he he goes from that old guard and recognizing all those faults that led to, up into the, the Sharon Tate murders, right? Where the Manson family killed Sharon Tate and then he reverses it to where they don't kill him and, and his characters, you know, mm-hmm. killed the Manson family yeah. and it's almost like him going, yep, that's, that's what I wanted to happen yeah. because that to me the Manson family murders signaled the end of yeah. that Hollywood era, no, I think, that fairy tale. Yeah, I think uh, some of his anger is that they they went in and did that and sort of caused it to come crumbling down. Yeah, um, I would say so. I, I I did think a lot about that Bruce Lee fight. Yeah, because my initial reaction was to be like, well, you know, I think that's unfair to Bruce Lee, right? But. To me, I don't know. I think it's what it said. What was what was it setting up was less that Bruce Lee was fake, and more that Cliff Booth could fight, because that was going to be important later on. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I think he's trying well, to make us believe that if surrounded by three people, that Cliff Booth would come out of that because he beat alive. Bruce Lee in a fight. Well, well, you well know, the no one, like, no one beat the shit well, out yeah, of him. Yeah, true. No, <laughs> no, no. The thing about it is like, like he's, I think he's showing that. Because Bruce Lee is like showboating, right? And that's the yeah. thing, like Bruce Lee, like if you ever watch like a documentary or like read up on him, like he never really showboated. Yeah, he never said any of that stuff. That stuff was said about him, but he never did any of that. Yeah, and he used to watch like films of fighters, like boxers and stuff. And yeah. like his wife said, like she came in and was like, "Why are you watching that?" He said, "Because one day I'm gonna have to fight that guy." Like, and she, he never like he never made a big deal of it. Yeah, right. He was just a good fighter. And um, and the thing about the movie is he's showing that like. Hollywood does have a certain false quality that it brings Fault. out in yeah, people. Yeah. So when Bruce Lee's in that Hollywood system, he's like, I can take on everybody and I could beat Cassius Clay, but it would not be fair. Yeah. And, and I think, well, I, I think he was trying to piss off Cliff more than anything because Cliff is like, you you wouldn't be a stain on his, on his boxers. Right. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'd make him a cripple. Right. I think he, I think he, what he felt, I think you're right in that. The me- No, like yeah. the, in the text, the text is, yeah. Uh, he is pissing off Cliff, right? Yeah. But the meta narrative is that Hollywood right, brings out fakeness because in people. Because you know, you know, Bruce is like sort of strutting right there and like feeling like big, right? So when this sort of meathead is like, you know, to what he thinks is challenging him, he's like, oh, I'll wipe the floor with this guy. Yeah, I'd fucking murder Cassius Clay, who had changed his name to Muhammad Ali by then. But that's not important. Um, you know, I'd, I'd fucking murder him. And then when they do fight, right? Which to me, I, I've been thinking about that fight. And yes, Bruce gets thrown against a car, but. I felt it was a little more even there because it's like, it's like it was even at the end. Like so, he yeah. he gets a point on Brad Pitt. He kicks him in and the chest, Brad and Brad gets, and it it, yeah. it doesn't really affect Brad Pitt that much. Like he just yeah. kind of like falls down and stand, he's like, wow, like this guy actually knocked me on my ass. And he was yeah. shocked. And then when he's fighting, he realizes that he's a big guy comparative yeah. to Bruce Lee, and he throws him against the car and dents the car. Yeah. And Bruce Lee's like shocked that he was able to do that. And but then still, when they start fighting, yeah. they're like not even they're all like match to match, and then the fight stops. Yeah. So yeah, my initial reaction was like, no, Bruce Lee, you could have beat him. But um, now I think about it, I was like, you know, it seems it's less trying to talk shit about Bruce Lee and more trying to be like, Cliff Booth can fight. So, and he and he'll, and he's not. Yeah. So there's something yeah, in the yeah, movie, anyway, and going. I I think it's important, and it's actually not what's in the movie; it's what's not, and that's Charles Manson. So right. he shows up in one scene. His head's blocked on yeah. purpose, and you only see him peek out and yeah. look at Sharon Tate for like half a second, and then he goes away. And he's he's referenced by his children. Yeah, but I'm trying to figure out why. What was the significance of Tarantino purposely leaving, omitting him from the film, and only I, referencing? Because he he wasn't. Yeah, go ahead. They gave an interview, and he wasn't. 
the Manson family murders isn't like the driving narrative of the film, right? Because a lot of people were like, "Oh, you made a family about the Manson family." He's like, "No, I didn't. It's it it has a Manson family in it, but it's not about that." And that's the thing, like. The Manson family themselves are characters in the film, but Charles Manson's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's he is obviously the head of that family, but his part ultimately comparative to Brad Pitt and and Leo's parts doesn't matter. It, his story doesn't matter to their stories. Yeah. He is he is a, a only a, a a public figure insofar as uh within the film itself, insofar as he orchestrated that, but he doesn't directly impact. So you think that yeah. maybe by him showing up, it was just to register in the viewers' minds that oh hey, yeah. this is the man. In case you didn't, all in need. case you didn't get it before, yeah. right? In case the Cielo Drive didn't mm-hmm. factor into your Shantay. head. Well, Shantay. He, 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 you needed yeah. to see that there one a there was a Charles Manson, right? And yeah. b that he knew where they were. Saw mm-hmm. saw Sharon Tate, okay, and yeah. that those are the two the only two things that That's you need to know. Yeah, I would say Matt's absolutely right in that this is not. Charles Manson's movie, and it would have been uh, any a lesser director, right? A hacky director would have done this movie and would have done a whole subplot about Charles Manson and his family. Would have spent however long with them, right? Getting what drove them, what was their, why they do it. It doesn't fucking. They're happen. fucking evil, like yeah. that, and that's the thing. Quentin Tarantino portrays them as crazy and fucking evil. Yeah, like he's he's not saying, oh, they're like. You know, because devious, they, they, they're you know getting to the mind of a murderer. What's their deal? He doesn't care, right? Because he yeah. fucking hates them, right? <laughs> he hates them. he <laughs> thinks like, and, and it's kind of like the the whole thing. Like he thinks uh, that when they're sitting there like hyping themselves up, mm-hmm. he's like, well, even if all that stuff happened, like even if you did grow up on this violent television, like it doesn't excuse that. Let's fucking kill him, yeah, like kill Sharon yeah. Tate, like pregnant Sharon Tate who had never done anything to anybody who's like an actress yeah and like instead of going after like the bourgeoisie or whatever like instead of enacting real change you're killing a a person who's superfluous ultimately yeah and and uh you know when when the final scene happens and that scene is revelatory in its violence towards the Manson family because because they fucking suck it's cathartic it's the same thing like People don't defend the Nazis getting burned and shot yeah. to death and well, some people and do, but you, Well, well, you, there's <laughs> there's Nazis that defend that, but like the but there are regular people who would defend like okay, well that's a little too violent. These people, the, Mansons, yeah. the people dying, and it's like they're fucking evil. Yeah, yeah like that's those those are, those are the people right. The those actors are betraying. They actually did. They actually yeah, murdered yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino is fake murdering them. Those people actually murdered them. So, you know. And we're not talking just like a slit in your throat. It was like 160 stab wounds yeah, over five some people. Some witchy shit. That's yeah. what they were trying to do. Yeah. So, any other takes before we sign off about the movie? Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. I had, so I had two, I'll try to rattle them off. Um, well, I actually, you know, I'll just do the one and I'll, and I'll maybe knock it out to you guys because I had this feeling because when I was going into this, like trying to, you know, put my thoughts and mm-hmm. review it, um, I I was just thinking like so I feel like Tarantino as a director doesn't maybe get a fair shake from everybody because I think it's one of those sort of um, tropes for like film dude bros that Tarantino is their favorite director right and I think so I was thinking back on me and how I fit into that trope yeah. really easily right because I you know watched Pulp Fiction when I was like 16. Yeah, fuck you for being born a white yeah. dude and happen yeah. to like films. Well, I'll explain, I'll explain, I'll, I'll go through what I, what I, what I was thinking through is that, you know, I'm sick, you know, I watched it when I was 16, Pulp Fiction, I was like, this is my favorite movie and I watched all, you know, Tarantino's yeah, movie stuff. talking about in high school. And I was like, you know, Tarantino's my favorite director but, you know, I've, you know, grown and matured since then, and I've I've gotten to I've, I have other favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I have other favorite directors, and Tarantino is still one of them. But you know, I have other toys to play with, right? If I would put put it that way. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe some of the stigma comes from the fact that there are people who whose taste never really expanded, so they still say, you know, Tarantino is my favorite. This movie is my favorite whatever right yeah. and so for some st- st- you know circles of film criticism to look at that and go well 
if that's the case, then obviously his movies can't be that deep or whatever, right? If bros like it. Well, not just if bros, but if just if it if it if you maybe if it affects that many people. if it affects that many people. I think it's the yeah. I think it's the numbers. I don't think it's necessarily the age. It's I think it's mainstream. I think it's two things. Yeah, I, I think, think it's the yeah. numbers, and I think it's also like. I don't want to say this because it sounds like um, it sounds really stupid. I'm going to say it anyway because, like, you know, that's yeah, the thesis. Um, I think it's kind of like slightly racist, like towards white people when you say like like a lot like a lot of white people like Quentin Tarantino movies and like they only like them because they're bros and they're white, which is really stupid to like in terms of film criticism itself. Right. When you can't say let's look at the films and let's say that like. You know, there's a lot of white guys who like movies or whatever, and yeah. then there's Quentin Tarantino's a good director. Yeah, right. It's it's such a it's such a like a race reductionist argument when you if you don't look at his like oeuvre. And I think the biggest thing about Tarantino and the reason why so many people like him is because he him and Martin Scorsese are the last few American auteurs that we have because yeah. all of the like and I said this a lot on the last episode so I'll try and keep it brief but all the shit that's pumped out of Hollywood right now is live action remakes reboots they're all Disney films they're all made by committee films and Tarantino films are the lat like one of the last vestiges of a singular person in the mainstream who has a singular vision and he executes it and it makes money and I was so I want to add to that in that I think uh, your point of, the, of him being American, American auteur, is that you know my explanation for why so many people like him, you know, goes along those lines where his films are accessible to, yeah. especially to Americans, to to the average dude, bro. Yeah, his his theme, he wears his themes and his influences on his sleeve. They're not super esoteric. He's thinking from the same cultural mindset that your average person, average American is. So I would say that's why I think such large swaths of people like him is because he's the movies are accessible. And when you have auteurs who come from different um, cultures, uh, who make movies in different languages, you, you, you put a barrier up, right, so that your average person may not want to cross that. And may not, in, they may not, you know, they, they could watch it and not get what the movie's really going for. Mm-hmm. And they don't truly appreciate it. Where, where, where I feel is with Tarantino is that most people can watch Pulp Fiction and, and get sort of what he's going for and understand yeah. it. Yeah. And I think for some people, they, they think that's a mark of, of him, you know, not actually being a true artist, right? That Which, it, that, you know, oh no, the masses understand. Yeah, well, those those people, I feel like a lot of those people are very contrarian in their opinion. Not in so far as like it's a popular opinion, like they just hate the popular opinion. But I find that like the substantive criticisms of Tarantino, like there is no really big substantive criticism of Tarantino. Where it's like when you see those types of people who are like, "Oh, Tarantino's a shit director," or whatever, and it's like you you talk to them about movies, like you know, and you go, "Well, like Three Colors is like." some of the best films I've ever met. Like, have you ever seen Three Colors? And they're like, oh, no, what the fuck's that? And you're like, it's a French film, right? And, like, you talk to them about, like, other films, mm-hmm. and they don't really know. They have, like, this weird, like, maybe Terrence Malick or or some weird, like, out-there director. They go, oh, Paul Thomas Anderson's my favorite or or whoever. Yeah. And it's like, they make, they make good movies, too, but at the same time, like, they shit on Tarantino because they think that it's, like... Guy's first introduction to film, baby's first director is how I is how I put it. Yeah, like, this is which I completely disagree. So with. this is what you play with when you're young, and then when you get older, you put it aside. And I mean, for me, you know, yeah, when I was younger, I really, I you know, fixated on his him and his movies, and you know, I still uh, I still count them among my favorite. But I have developed other tastes. Um, oh God, I was gonna, I had another point I was gonna say that's completely left my brain. Josh, you no, I think probably have more. I think it's all been laid out on the table. God, I had something else, but I think... Wait we just, till the next episode when Cole no, reveals fuck. his second point. We just love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because we, you know, we're yeah. just all th- three white guys in our 20s who just like, like we have pent-up rage against minority and women. No, I was going to say that... Can't um, handle it. Uh, there is the matter of personal tastes in that for some people, their tastes don't match up with 
Tarantino style. That's fine, and that's fine. That's a good criticism, but yeah, just like to say that, like some, like I, I was looking on Letterboxd on some of the negative reviews, and a lot of them basically were like, like much of his filmography, it does this, this, and this, which I don't like. And I go, that's fine. That's a fine. Cool. The the other ones, which you know, maybe mention. Uh, you know, a dog mauls a woman, which I don't like, you know, or, you know, whatever else. Me no likey bad film. Like, that's that's the that's the review. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say, like, th- that would be my closing argument on this, right, is that the movie to me was a blast. It was a great time watching it in theaters. It was funny. It was enjoyable. It, you know, people have said it's bloated or whatever. I don't personally feel like every single scene has it to. It was a clip. Has to, I felt yeah. like it. it me too. It yeah, flew yeah. by. For I me. sent it in. I was all in. The and, and it's you know because for me personally, a movie doesn't have every single scene doesn't have to move the plot forward. I'm sort of fine. Like with, the scene where it's like straight up director's commentary of the FBI show. Yeah, like, that's so. It's that's just such an gr- entertaining film. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to move the plot. It's Tarantino. Movie. Tarantino in his slow scenes delivers such great dialogue and that's what a lot of people like they love about Tarantino is his dialogue is absolutely impeccable and my film teacher even said like the reason why a lot of people if you if they're not like versed in film right they don't watch a lot of movies and they say the film felt slow to me he said that's bad dialogue a lot of the time yeah he says really bad dialogue and it's 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 that you're not you're not engaged with it he said yeah. and if a film has good dialogue it could be four and a half hours and mm-hmm. it runs at a clip. or if it's yeah. one of those experimental movies where there's like no dialogue and yeah, fuck those, those. I've watched yeah. a few of those. I, yeah, I, The I, Revenant. Well, yeah, a, um, I watched one that was uh, like an, it was like an hour and thirty minutes, and it felt there were like six lines of dialogue in the entire movie, and so it felt like you know it was twice that long. But yeah, Josh, you want a closing no, argument? Good, you want a closing argument? You don't want to say you want say say one movie? more say say a good thing about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah. one good thing. Say why you liked it. Give it what for? Yeah. Well, I learned that we're not supposed to cry in front of Mexicans. That's a big no-no in L.A. <laughs> Which is, I love that because that is like, you know, so much of sort of like racism or prejudice in movies is like, you know, like the over-the-top, like you can immediately, like a guy just screaming the N-word at the top of his voice. That weird sort of like, why can't he, why yeah, can't weird. you cry why in front of the Mexicans? Oh, okay. That's a real prejudice that some like dude would have about like no you can't let them see you can't let them see, see the weakness weak. they smell the weakness <laughs> they'll smell the white man's weakness I do have one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about so the scene where Rick Dalton has the gun to the girl's head and he's like what was the name of that unit and they're like the Bengal Lancers and yeah. he's like starts laughing I didn't get the joke I still yeah, I don't is that the point like no, I think the point is that his so Lancer is a it's it can be like it can refer to a military unit, like Lancers like mm-hmm. um like like a cavalry unit could be yeah. Lancers and the last name of the family okay Lancers. okay that's what I thought it was so he's saying but... I, I my name is Lancer and I served in a military unit that was called the the Bengal Lancers, so that's what he was. Joe, that's what he's gotcha. laughing about. Is it's I, it's funny that you were a lancer and you serve with lancers. Can we all before we go? I, I do have to say uh, two more things. One, first one, uh, very quick. Loved that uh, Joe Gage showed up in this movie. Oh, just for true. yeah, just for like just one, for one, scene, yeah, yeah. one scene. Yeah, and then this also the Italian film, the Spaghetti Western, directed by Antonio Margheriti, <laughs> which is apparently a real man. Is it, he's he is Quentin Tarantino's favorite. Uh, spaghetti Western director. That's fantastic. So he's real. Dominic yeah. Coco. And um, one of the other names was Gorlami. Yeah, I think it's Gorlani. Um, Mommy. He, it was like the stage. Yeah, Gorlani. It was the stage name of another spaghetti Western director. Oh, so wow. it wasn't his real name. It was the name he used to direct films. But yeah, so those. Yeah, that was funny. All right, guys. All right, good so, pod, guys. Good yeah. pod. See you next week. This has week. been the Tarantino Bye. cast.